If you go to broadwayworld.com slash Philadelphia, you can find the link to vote for the 2017 awards. We will also be posting a link on our social media. Uh, but please vote for me and Reefer Madness as Best Musical and Meg Cranny for Best Actress in a Musical. It would mean a lot to us to get this kind of recognition. Uh, thanks a lot, Dissectomaniacs. Don't you forget about me. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me is a man who knows that the best way to celebrate Thanksgiving is with America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. So you're getting to the point where you're throwing the word America, you're throwing the phrase America's sweetheart out there like I do, which is like water. Um, Tom Hanks has a legitimate case of being thought of as America's I know, but I feel like he's like the third or fourth person you've referred to as such. But this is the only time in which it's not blatantly fake and untrue. I think when we involve the Toy Story movies. No, I'm saying, no, no, I'm saying this is the only time it's not obvious. Like, people actually do think Tom Hanks is great. I always say it about, like, random schmucks. Yes, yes. Uh, We, of course, celebrated... Thanksgiving, as we do every year on this show, by celebrating Tom Hanks with T. Hanksgiving. Hat tip to Alamo Drafthouse's promotion from four years ago that they probably don't even remember. Um, this year's edition is the Shelley Long starring The Money Pit. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your T. Hanksgiving. Something's gotta be done about your T. Hanksgiving. It just gets worse so. and worse. <laughs> When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott! Cream of the crop! Oh, 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 yeah! Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Grab yourself some turkey leg and some stuffing and mashed potatoes and get away from your loved ones because you know you're sick of hearing that uncle or aunt or whomever go ranting on for the 13th time about some incorrect piece of information they read on Facebook, some website like globalwarsnet.info buzz. Put (laughs) Put those headphones on and enjoy us talking about a Tom Hanks film. Pretend you're napping for the next hour. Exactly. And for my money, the best way to celebrate the holiday is away from everyone that means anything to you with two dorks you've never met before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's just jump into the money pit. We, uh, we start off, we're in Rio, Rio de Janeiro, and there's a, a very crazy big wedding happening. And I'm confused because I don't see Tom Hanks. Yeah, I was like, what is happening? I'm so confused. And then it's... The dad, the older man is marrying a much younger woman and starts saying something about his clearly a deadbeat son. I don't think he uses that phrase, but the heavy implication is my deadbeat son. And then we cut to New York where Tom Hanks is and he's the deadbeat son, but he's talking as though his father is the deadbeat and he actually works hard. And that's never elaborated on or explained or clarified in any way. No, the dad stole a bunch of money. Yeah, but he refers to Tom Hanks. He's like, my deadbeat son. Like, I would never go back. Like, it, the way that it felt in the beginning to me was like... Oh, I thought, the, I thought the, that the dad was clearly lying to the woman about why he was in Rio. Oh, that could be a thing. 
what I got from it was like she does not know that he stole a bunch of money and he does. Got it. Okay. Um, I also want to talk about there's like three or four scenes like this in the movie, but the the first one is right here off the bat where Tom Hanks gets a letter from his dad and he's explaining it to his is that fiance wife uh, somewhere between girlfriend and fiance. Okay. And it's this strange point of view shot where you can see the hands and he's like holding a postcard and he's doing a voiceover and there's like three or four of them in the movie, but it's such an odd thing to have characters talk through this as a thing instead of having a line of dialogue. And I guess it gets around having to do and later they use it for a phone call. So you don't have to show like the cut back and forth of two guys on the phone, but it feels like, oh shit, this movie doesn't make sense. We have to slap some scenes together for continuity and we can't get the actors in for reshoots. So like get them into a, a recording booth and let them do a couple lines of dialogue. And the director just like filmed his own hands. It's very strange. Yeah. It, I feel like it, it's going to bug me the whole time, but I feel like there's a movie or a TV show that employs a very similar shot style for parts of it. Hmm. I don't remember what it is. Um, like POV, PO, POV. <laughs> Man, my brain. Type um, of you. <laughs> of like hands moving objects? Yeah, it's sort of, I want to say it's like a silly comedy movie, but I, mm. I'm i not going to remember it in any t- in the next few minutes. But it's, I think there's a movie out there like that. And uh, yeah. So I, for me, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a thing. It's like a silly comedy movie thing. Yeah, it's not it's as far as like filmmaking stuff goes. It's not uh, like oh the horror. I can't believe you did that. It was just odd to me that they wouldn't just have the actors have these conversations. It just seemed a little out of place. But uh, in any case, um, the also the director of this movie directed a very strange film in the '90s called Milk Money, in which a young boy befriends a prostitute. Uh, so just putting it out there that there's a, there's a weird pedigree on this particular film. I've never heard of that movie. You, Is anyone famous in it? I rented it, so it was like so a while around. ago. I mean, well, yes. I mean, I think it was positioned as like a children's movie is what I'm saying. What? Yeah, like it's definitely not a film for adults. It's not, you know, like a serious Oscar contending drama about a boy and a prostitute becoming friends. It's definitely more along the lines of aimed at children, which, you know, as we've said and we've discovered in the show, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually Watch for children next year yeah. it's going to be jennifer lawrence and that kid from stranger things and it in that movie you just described <laughs> milk money the remake yeah uh, uh 1994 american romantic comedy film starring melanie griffith and ed harris now the melanie film about, is a pretty big name yeah well we already covered her on the show getting her face ripped off if you'll recall way back in the days of roar oh that's right <laughs> this film is about three suburban 11 year old boys who find themselves behind in the battle of the sexes believing they would regain the upper hand if they could just see a real live naked lady so I maybe this wasn't aimed at children somehow i saw this movie I, I i don't know why but somehow i saw this movie uh that's neither here nor there <laughs> um oh god I'm gonna, this is not going to become Trip Reads Wikipedia, but I'm going to read this one line. The film received mostly negative reviews. Siskel and Ebert gave it a thumbs down and speculated mockingly that it may have been made by Hollywood executives with an affinity for hookers and their desire to make films about them for lack of knowing women in any other professions. That's a pretty good zinger, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, Nicely done. They're throwing all the shade. <laughs> In print, Roger Ebert opted not for a conventional negative review, but to portray it as a result of a fictional conversation between studio executives. Oh, that's kind of interesting. <clears throat> oh, this is actually pretty clever. It's like a 
you know, studio executive A, studio executive B having like, <laughs> so what's the premise? We got kids, we got sex, we got romance, so but it's, it's a us family talking picture. about how movies get made. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ebert was doing, we stole our gimmick from Ebert. We had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> This is pretty funny. I have to say, I'm reading this. I'm not going to read this review out. But anyway, I don't know why I got sidetracked at Milk Money for nine minutes. I actually kind of like Money Pit. Um, yeah, so I want to say that off the like, bat. Like, I f- normally I take like two or three pages of notes on things that I haven't seen before. I took maybe a page and a half because I was just like genuinely enjoying the movie. Yeah, the two of them have really good chemistry together. It's really fun um, and, and lively. It's a lot of physical comedy, which can be hit or miss, but I like it here largely. Yeah, uh, there's a few there's a few times where it gets a little stupid for my taste, but it, largely it's pretty good. I like that they seem like they actually seem in love, and it makes sense for the two of them, like physically and like socioeconomic. Like, there's nothing weird. Like, I don't understand why these two people are together. Like we had with um, Bev and. And the goot in Daryl Hannah's a ghost. <laughs> uh, high spirits. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh no, these two make sense together. They actually seem to enjoy each other. It's it was a nice it was a nice breath they're, of fresh air. They're close in age, which is extremely rare for for this kind of situation. Yes. Um. So we so we cut to sexy clothes on the floor and like you hear them talking in bed and you're like oh it's you know like a sexy morning after a sexy night together, and then cut to like they're in bed in 1950s style flannel pajamas like he has on a two piece like button down shirt and pants combo she has on a similar like feminine version of that I have expected him to be like chomping on a pipe and being like well hello yeah and she needed like a ladies home journal yeah exactly um, and then we get. A uh, sighting of 80s icon Yakov Smirnov bursting into the room. Uh, you may remember him from such classic jokes as, In Soviet Russia, thing opposite happens is in America. Oh, wait, that's him? Uh-huh. The dude who bursts in and is like, he's coming home today. What are you doing in here? Oh, blah, 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 wow, blah. I didn't know that. That's, that's the classic uh, Yakov Smirnov. Uh, fun fact, Yakov Smirnov has... Maybe still has, but at least at one point had a theater in Branson, Missouri. He no longer performs at it, but for a time he had like a standing, like, you know, five or six nights a week, like Celine Dion in Vegas, uh, presumably doing the same material still, which is why I desperately want to see Branson, Missouri, but I also don't want to pay for it. Yeah, I want to. What has what is happening in Branson, Missouri? Isn't that I, isn't that a Mormon thing? I no no it's not it's kind of like Pigeon Forge except no Dolly Parton theme park. Oh right right right. So uh, if anyone out there wants to just send me to Branson, Missouri to do a podcast, I would I would be happy to do that. If, any, <laughs> if we have if we have a mysterious benefactor out no, there, I will be because then it's going to turn into the Christmas gift, Christmas wish movie. <laughs> you, you think I like come to find the yeah? Branson it's going to be like you, you're going to be John Denver, and that means I'm your daughter who wants a dollhouse, and I just don't have the time for that. <laughs> but what if we discover like the true meaning of Christmas in America is in Branson, Missouri? Like this whole time, it was in Branson, Missouri. It's just it's like that episode of Thirty Rock where the state of Connecticut would sponsor the movie only if it was an ad for the state of Connecticut. yeah yeah exactly um anyway so they start bringing in all these decorations and things that belong to the man who they're subletting this apartment from who it turns out is shelly long's 
ex-husband who is also her boss, which is a weird, it's yeah. a weird situation to find it, yourself I, I was in. like, oh, we're really packing it all in. <laughs> uh, but my favorite is one of the de- decorations they take down is a photo of Shelly and Tom. And because they're not married yet, it's not a wedding picture. It's like the two of them went to a Sears and had a photo taken together. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't, but I like that you referenced them going to a Sears to get their photo taken. <laughs> well, that's what it looks like. They're, it's like they pulled down the background and he like put his hate one hand on her shoulder and kind of cocked his head to the 45 degree angle. And she cocked her head. Can we like, get the gray with the lasers? <laughs> They want the fake forest. Like, it's very much a Sears portrait studio picture that they have together for some reason. Um, I guess they just, like, took a couple's photo. I just love that it's not, like, a picture of them at the Eiffel Tower or or in front of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, or just having a picnic or, you know, doing anything. It's like, no, they went into the portrait studio and had a photo made. Um then they cut to, okay, we have to buy a house, and it's another one of these weird POV shots of a guy like eating a donut and flipping through a paper three-ring binder of houses, and he's like, this one's only an eight-hour commute. Ah, ha, 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 But it made me think, like, I know, uh, this is neither here nor there, but I know a lady who commutes to my office in in Maryland from Virginia, like a, close to two hours each way oh, every single Alexandria? day. No, further than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Alexandria to D.C. is not so bad. It yeah, it's where all the gays there. who claim to live in D.C. live. Oh, there's no gayborhood in D.C.? I mean, there is, but a, like, a lot of the people who are like, I'm in Alexandria. Ah. Uh, anyway, so we meet the sexy conductor who, I'm going to ruin this for you, I'm so sorry, uh, sounds exactly like Tommy Wiseau from The Room. Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I conduct the music. I mean, if I am you, the conductor. If you put a terrible blonde wig on Tommy Wiseau, it would look. They would look similar. Well, his this guy's face looks less mumpsy than Tommy Wiseau. Mumpsy. <laughs> you, you know, having it sounds the like mumps. a child, like a like a educational <laughs> child's cartoon about the mumps. <laughs> My name's Mumpsy. Don't touch my goiter. It'll make a lot of pain for me. <laughs> um, and it made me think, uh, so I have recently gone to a couple of orchestra shows, thanks to a really great discount that the Baltimore Symphony has. And I was, I, I made this comment kind of in jest while at one of these performances. We went to see Jurassic Park uh, perform with the live orchestra, which was very cool. And I, I, I know that I couldn't just like get up there and do it now, but like... Do you think if I took two weeks, I could I could conduct a piece of music that I was incredibly familiar with, like the main title from Jurassic Park? Um, with two weeks and so like something, it would basically be like learning. I equate it to like learning, uh, like a three sentences in a language perfectly. Like you could do that yeah. in two weeks. You wouldn't know anything yeah. else, but like you would know, like yeah. you just learned that. I think so. That's what I was because like at a certain level, these musicians are are not in super dire need of you, right? Like, obviously, a good conductor helps a performance in many ways, and I'm not trying to take away from the conducting. I'm just saying as The a Conductors guy, Guild of America is going to come for us so hard. <laughs> CGA is tweeting so furiously. Their fingers are on fire. Um, uh, yeah, but I was thinking, like, you know, I have air guitar and air saxophone and air whatever i've certainly air conducted a piece of music in my car and there are songs that i could probably realistically know you know 
enough of the beats and where to point at the people that I feel like I could, I think this is an interesting magazine article is what I'm saying. I guess that's what I'm building to is it's, I need to do I mean, an article for a magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maestro's monthly. No, just, it has to be like in a regular magazine. It's not like a <laughs> Maestro's monthly. I don't think is the right place for it, but like, you yeah, know, but like here's Joe Schmo trying to do our job. But that's the problem. If I do it good, they're boned. Like they don't want that getting out. <laughs> Suddenly, all the all the conductors nationwide have been fired. You just have to learn how to conduct properly. Is the only thing. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I put my own little spit on it. N- I mean, no, that's not really how <laughs> orchestra conducting works. <laughs> I think it'd be fine. It's like a this isn't man, a right? Disney Channel original movie about the kid who desperately wants to be a conductor <laughs> in his own cool way. I think people would get into it if they saw me up there, like just bit bopping around, like ooh, boop, boop, he has a glow stick. everything. No, no, because yeah, you know what you are. You know what you are. Then you're Whoopi Goldberg, and you're not actually conducting. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Sister Act, and Sister Act. Oh, back and in the she's habit. just like waving her hands. She's literally the worst, worst conducting I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, I'm just trying to say I think it would be an amusing article if I were to attempt to, you know conduct the jurassic park title sequence so hanks hanks cuts to tom hanks is at a music video shoot and do we know what he what exactly is he i think he's like a manager for bands from like maybe he works the label and he's like the label liaison guy Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure if he was a lawyer of some kind well he is a lawyer okay so like entertainment law management thing something yeah that is the impression i get that yeah we also get the great line of the bands i guess the band's manager he's like here's the money you know here's their cut of it and here's my cut of it just so they know how much i'm getting and he's like what are you talking about why are you giving them any money they're used to people stealing from them this will confuse them Uh, it was really great. I wrote that down too. But the other part of this that's wonderful is Tom Hanks has a real David S. Pumpkins era hair going on here. It's like old, old Hanks hair that's real poofy. And so he has hearing protection on, but he can't put it over the top of his poofy hair. And so he's wearing them upside down under his chin, which is a great <laughs> visual. Uh, speaking of David S. Pumpkins, sorry to derail again, but um, there's a Madame Tussauds in Florida uh, and for the season, they dressed their Tom Hanks mannequin as David as Pumpkins. I actually saw that. It looks pretty fantastic. So he cuts to the meeting with his real estate guy, and it's at a jogging track. And this, I thought it was uh, Newman for a second. It it does it does. I think it might have been the guy. I didn't look this up, so it could be completely wrong. I think it might have been the guy who looks like Newman, who's in Billy Madison, who played the Revolting Blob, the wrestler. Oh yeah, I'm not sure that it was him, but I—that's I, my guess. That's the the Wayne Knight lookalike guy. Um, but he's jogging and covered in sweat, and he's wearing a, a thing on his wrist to monitor his heartbeat. It just tells him when it's too high. It doesn't tell him what it is. It's just an alarm to say you're going too fast. Yeah, yeah. Slow down. She can't take much more of this. I'm giving her all she's got. It's it's basically Scotty from Star Trek. Oh, I went and, to the I went to like the bottom of the Titanic where they're shoveling coal in. To oh the fires. yeah. <laughs> um, but this poor guy, like, it starts beeping and beeping and beeping, and then suddenly Tom Hanks is like, "Hey, are you all right? 
are you all right? All right. Smash cut to them in the back of an ambulance, and he has just had a heart attack. <laughs> and the EMT is like, yeah, I picked him up, what was it, like seven times in the past past month or something like that? Yeah, which is ridiculous. Uh, and also, I don't know if you noticed it, but the extras in the jogging sequence are some of the worst extras in anything we've ever done. They're, they're like looking really aggressively at Tom Hanks and the other guy the whole time, like staring them down as they run by. Um, a bunch of them all have the same sweatband on. Oh, that's weird. I didn't notice that. I couldn't, uh, one of them did something like slightly weird that it caught my attention and then I couldn't take my eyes off the extras the whole time. <laughs> okay. Cause they just keep running past. They also show the, uh, the real estate agents, uh, pulse alarm as he calls it and it looks like he has a super nintendo strapped to his wrist <laughs> it's a very large piece of equipment that's for sure um cut to shelly long and the conductor and the conductor is coming hard after shelly long he's like, coming in hot and coming out hot <laughs> it's it's so aggressive he's like come on come home with me come 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 make love with me or whatever he's saying She's like, no, no, like I have no interest. Aggressively in not. He's like, we got a divorce. Get away. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, back at Fabio's house, which I guess he hasn't moved into yet. Tom Hanks is there and there's like a hundred people just hanging out in this house. I don't know if they're like some of them are his clients. I don't know if some of them are I his friends. Some of them are like getting people, getting the house, getting the apartment or whatever ready for the maestro. That could be. But there's also two people playing ping pong, and then this strange band that comes in. That's all. I very was kind of all about that men. band. <laughs> I did color me surprised. Um, no, uh, hear me out because it's not just... a bunch of men in dresses calling themselves Meryl Streep as a band. Imagine my surprise that this is in your wheelhouse. No, I was all about it because of the way they were treated in the movie universe. Like, oh yeah, they it's, weren't. It's very true. It wasn't like. Oh, hello, we're the cheap girls, and we want to be called Meryl Streep. Like, that was Roger Rabbit, but also a gay dude. It was, it was, it was very Roger Rabbit. No, but, you're totally right. Like, it, it was is, like, it oh, is. they were just like, oh, we're just a bunch of hunky bearded dudes, and we wear dresses, and we're called cheap girls, and that's just our yeah. band shtick. And everyone accepted that. And I was like, oh, okay, where was this? Where's more of this? Just like, here's something random. Yeah, that took a break for like a decade between this movie and that starting to be a thing again. Yeah, I wanted more of that. Uh, so they find out about this house that's being sold very quickly uh, uh, due to some some troubles that the owners have, and they decide to take a taxi out to see it, which I would guess is very expensive, knowing yeah, New York. It has to be. <laughs> and then he says, keep the change. And I was like, guys, no, the answer is, you wait right here. We'll be back in five minutes exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, their plan, I guess, is to take the train back, which seems like uh, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you take the train out there? But uh, oh, well. But it's this enormous mansion, perhaps even the biggest house that we've ever seen on this show. One of the biggest movie houses I've ever seen. I think seen. so. Uh, which is to say it's smaller than the house that Kevin McAllister lives in in Home Alone. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's one of those things that like finally got a little traction on the internet a couple years ago that people are like, yeah. by the way, what does Mr. McAllister do for a living? Or Mrs. McAllister. Yeah. What well, I, like, he seems the one he, in the movie, I think he's the one with the job, but I guess they both have jobs. It's Catherine O'Hara. I feel like Catherine O'Hara doesn't play housewife. <laughs> but like, what do they do that they're taking the whole family to France and they have that house? Yeah. Like what F you money do you have? I think he's like a mob accountant. 
He has to be. Like that's, like he that's launders the, the money for the mob. Oh wait, headcanon. Uh, uh, the sticky bandits know this and are like being sent purposely to go after him. Oh, by a rival mob? No, like the mob is, is sick of his shit and they're trying to like make sure he knows who's boss. Oh, that makes that movie a lot better. I mean, not that it's, not, it, not that it's a bad movie, but like that makes <laughs> it so much more interesting. It is based in Chicago. We know that they're big on the organized crime there. We do. There was a whole musical about it. So anyway, there's this crazy old lady. She doesn't have any lights on in the house. It's all lit by candlelight. And she's doing like very big, like, my poor Carlos is deported and I, I can't bear to be here. Yeah, it's it, it sounds initially like he died. And then later we find yes. out he was deported because he extradited because he was Hitler's pool boy. Yeah, I and don't. So there's quite... a, a we, there's several <laughs> moments in this movie where we're just funding Nazis. Yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, we're gonna go on record as saying like <laughs> the dissect in the Fuck 80s. Nazis. Yeah, the Fuck dissect Nazis. in the 80s stance is we don't support funding Nazis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And so this was a, a moment for me that I thought could have made this movie better. Again, I enjoy this movie a lot, um, but if this segment of her showing them the house had more of a smoke and mirrors vibe to it like she had curtains in doorways to like oh i never go in that room anymore and that's just curtained off or like i wanted more of the like look over here look over here while this hand is pulling your wallet out of your pocket yeah the the fact of the matter is that she uses this no lights on all candles thing in order to trick them to the fact that the house is falling apart which is fine, but it doesn't go far enough in showing it. You're absolutely right. A couple of scenes where they're looking one way and like something falls off the wall and she catches it and like puts it down a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Because it would be more entertaining as an audience if you knew they were getting duped before it started to fall down around their ears, I think. Mm-hmm. And also like little, I, I don't know, there's something for me of some of the structural stuff that clearly wasn't an issue the night before and now all of a sudden was that I was like that like this how did the staircase crumble like like a Lincoln logs right the the scene where he's like climbing the stairs and then has to make a Indiana Jones-esque leap to yeah, he's get like across. uncharted up in here <laughs> yeah it's pretty bananas that they were able to walk on it a day before and then suddenly it's just down exactly um so she shows the house and she she gives him a little tour and then she's like oh i'll drive to the train station and she pulls out this old lincoln that looks like basically a train car itself the auto yes <laughs> very victorian era looking car and they're like oh we love this and she's like well if you buy the house i'll throw it in too i was like waiting for the hand crank in the front yeah yeah no it was definitely a hand cranked automobile um so they, she drops him off at the train station and they decide to buy it and then tom hanks thinks the train is there except it's not the train it's like uh, the biggest train I've ever seen in a movie comes roaring past. Well, it was on the other side of the tracks. I think it was. I think oh, it was. One I thought of those, it was like, just like a freight track. train. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Either I, I, the idea, the, the idea is that like, oh, you know what? We're waiting for the train. You know what? Let's buy this house. Let's buy this house. They hear the train whistle. He's like, our luck is cut, turning yeah. around, and then it's not the train. So they have to raise two hundred grand, and they're going to split it. So they each need to raise a hundred thousand dollars very quickly. So. Tom Hanks or two no Tom Hanks gets two hundred thousand dollars from this shitty kid. He goes to meet one of his clients and it's yeah, like a. Why does he get two hundred? 
I don't know. Maybe she. I think maybe she's kicking in the money for doing the repairs, and that's oh, her like half know. of it. In any case, he goes to visit this client of his who's like a real capital S, capital K, shitty kid. And we've covered a lot of them in the show, but I think he might be the worst. Yeah, he's because he has money that his that is his own money. Yeah, he's like yelling at his mom, and he throws a cigarette on the carpet. He's, he he has his mom dressed like and, Alice from. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's he's a real art horrible kid. And Tom Hanks is basically like, if you don't give me this money, I'm not going to like you anymore. And the kid's like, oh, no, not that. Here, take my money, which is a very weird thing. Well, I like that he still has kid logic. Like, he is a, a shitty kid, but yeah. kid logic still applies. Yeah, exactly. So we cut to the house, and it's a shitty house montage where we just see things totally falling down around them uh tom hanks steps through a stair and he's like trying to repair it and there's like all this crazy nonsense happening in the garage and then he's trying to repair the stairs and his way of doing that isn't to like you know buy the right wood and put in a new stair he just grabs what looks to be parts of an old park bench out of the shed and just starts nailing them down on top of the already broken stair i thought it was like an old crate it was like well here's an old crate that i'm taking apart and just (laughs) terrible with a hammer yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, why Why is this your... Mo- I mean, I guess they said they don't have any money, but still, like, at least cut it to the right side. He just... It's got, like, random bits sticking out of it. It's very bizarre looking. Also, I'm pretty sure this movie is why home inspections exist. Like, if they didn't already, this is this is when the, our country was like, all right, the we have to stop. The money pit starring Tom Hanks and Shelley Long is the reason our country has... I- I do, I do. I think they were like, clearly the American people are being hosed by by former Nazi pool boys, so we're going to have to stop, put a stop to this, and that's why we have home inspections today. Because you send in a home inspector, and this house is not getting sold. So Shelley Long is like looking at a dumbwaiter, and she opens it up, and a raccoon comes out of it, and just like ferociously attacks her. So she's screaming and screaming, Tom Hanks starts to run up the stairs, and the, the, oh, it really does. But this is the point we just talked about where Tom Hanks is running up the stairs and they're like slowly detaching from the side of the second yeah. story. And he like leaps up and grabs a hand, you know, a handful of the stair, the top stair and is dangling for his life. And then Shelley Long is trying to see what's happening to him. And he's like, you're standing on my hand. And then she moves her foot and he falls so far and so hard onto stairs. He would have broken his spine in so many places. He would have been shattered. He would have been a bag of soup. This is one of, like, four or five times in this movie where Tom Hanks has a ridiculous pratfall that would have absolutely killed any mortal man. What I'm trying to say is I think Tom Hanks in this movie is unbreakable. Yeah, which inspired M. Night Shyamalan. And now his new sequel, Glass. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Uh, And then there's a really great moment where he's... There's this really great moment where he's fixing the front door because he had to kick it in when Shelley Long was trapped on the bed. So he screws it back in and he's like... He's on the he's on the outside of the door, so I'm thinking he's gonna shut it and he's gonna have locked himself out again. No, no, no. The movie does you one better. He's like, oh, this door works fine, and then he goes inside the house and shuts the door behind him, and the whole door jam and like support structure just falls flat <laughs> off. It's it's really an awesome looking thing. It's so good. Uh, it, it's one of several really great like destruction of house moments in this movie. The the bad yeah, there's stuff a lot of them comes up. Yeah. They're really great looking. Uh, clearly, some money was spent to make these look good, and I appreciate that. Um, so they 
bring in a bunch of people to well first they try to go to sleep and then it starts raining and it just the whole ha- the roof is basically swiss cheese or a sieve or something it's just water everywhere so the next day is like okay we got to bring in some people to fix the house so the first one that comes is a plumber played by joe montagna carpenter um, the carpenter's first yeah, plumber's yeah yeah he's a carpenter yes i wrote down uh, you're right he's a carpenter because i wrote um, fucking uh, garbage misogynist carpenter Yes, yeah, you're you're correct. He starts going after Shelley Long, and then when Tom Hanks is like, that's my girlfriend, you idiot, he's like, oh, normally when women call for a carpenter, they're looking to get a nail, you know? And he, like, is putting his face... It's like, first of all, nailed is the obvious thing you should have said here, you ding-ding. And then second of all, like, the putting the finger through the circle in the other hand is, like, really, really embarrassing for you as an adult male. Like, literally everyone in the... Every dude in this movie is just, like, coming in real hot for Shelley Long. Like, right out the gate. Which, I mean, fair. Not she's, she's not she's unattractive. Very... It's just, like, literally yeah. everyone is, like... It's like that episode of Buffy when everyone falls in love with uh, Xander. Yes, yes. Um, I also like the part later where Tom Hanks and Shelley are, like, making out in bed and fooling around a little bit, and there's, like, nine guys watching them having donuts and coffee out the window. <laughs> They're real quick to forgive this gross man and be like, let's hire him. His brother's a plumber, which like I get you're down on your luck. Yes, exactly. They're they're very desperate. They need they need their house fixed and they're they're struggling. Um, So she starts practicing the violin and Tom Hanks goes outside to, I guess, pee and he gets attacked by a bee or something. He really pees and everything. Yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks he does pee in every movie. It's like Tom Hanks' trademark. Um, that's a real thing. You can look it up. We're not going to rehash the whole deal. But Tom Hanks really does pee in like the majority of his movies. Uh, but I love when he goes to carve their initials in this tree that had someone else's initials carved in already, and it just falls down, and it's like a, a domino tower of trees, just like crack, crack, it's crack. like crack, tiny crack. grove really just crumbles. We also, yeah, it's I also, there's a moment earlier where Shelley Long is going to like cook something. So she goes to light the stove, which I was like, oh, God, I can't even imagine if I had to light a stove every single time I wanted to cook something. I, w- I just wouldn't do it. Oh, you had to get a match out? You, that would be the end of it for yeah, you? Yeah, they had to get a match to light the gas in the stove. So they're carrying water upstairs, which is now not stairs, but a From ladder. the fountain. Yes, that's the only running water they have. I know. I was just clarifying for the audience. <laughs> so they, they hold a bucket up to the fountain where the little boy looks like he's peeing, and then they fill the bucket, and then they carry it inside. But they're both simultaneously climbing this ladder. And they're Horrible also idea. It, <laughs> but they're also doing it, like, as you said before, as if he's trying to smell her neck. Like, they're climbing up. He is... She, as soon as she moves a foot, his hand is grabbing that same rung. It's like, the, one, one of you should be holding the ladder and the other should be, you know, climbing. And two... She goes up first while you hold the bottom. A, she holds the top while you climb up. It's, it's yeah. a thing. And maybe grab a rope and use it to pull the buckets up so you're not carrying a unsteady, heavy object up a ladder. <laughs> like, insanity. So, they're boiling water to take a bath and... They're they're filling up the tub and doing this, and it made me think of the saddest thing that's happened to me in a very long time, which is I live in an apartment, and it's a house that's split into two apartments, and for some reason, unbeknownst to logic or any greater understanding of how things work, 
the water heater was attached to my neighbor's power breaker. So when my neighbor upstairs decided to stop paying his bills, I no longer had access to hot water. I so never this knew had this. happened. Oh, I, I can't believe I haven't told you the story before. So it happened one day where like I got up to take a shower in the morning and it was towards the end of a month and there was no hot water. So I took like a very crappy cold shower and was angry about it and went to work. And then that night when I came home, there was hot water. So I was like, oh, he must have like washed a bunch of clothes and used the hot water. You know, it happens. Timing was bad, whatever. Cut to like a month later, there's no hot water. And then I come home from work and there's still no hot water. And I wake up the next morning and there's still no hot water. And it's like, okay, well, let me let me take another miserable cold shower. And it's wintry, so it's miserable. Like I, I'm taking like a navy shower. It's like turn the water on, get wet, turn the water off, lather up, and rinse off. So I'm having like a, just the miserablest way to wake up. Um, <laughs> so I contact the landlord and they're like, oh, I don't know what's happened. This guy must not have paid the bill. So they start fighting with him. Um, then they contact me and they're like, oh, he didn't pay the bill and he's not going to, and we're in the process of evicting him. And I was like, okay, well, surely there has to be a solution to this problem, you know? And they're like, well, we're going to have to like, is there a meantime? Yeah. They're like, well, we're going to have to take over the bill and get the thing handed over to us. And I'm like, there's, can't you just like get an electrician to put the thing on my breaker box so that I can like deal with this. And they're like, yeah, no, I think we can do that. Oh, okay. And a day goes by, another day goes by. Meanwhile, I'm showering at the gym now. Like I have to, I have to, I have to shower and, you know, it's throwing off my whole routine. I'm a morning shower guy. I know this is not a piece of information the general public needs to know, but like, you know, I'm a morning shower guy. So if I go to the gym at night, I'll shower there, but then I'll also want to shower in the morning. So I'm like, I'll discombobulate for like, it's going on a whole week. I'm telling my boss about the situation. Like I got to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Cause I got to get this thing fixed. So they tell me that they've they fixed it, and I come home from the gym having not showered because I thought I could take a shower in my house, and I was, like, really looking forward to this shower. Yeah. Turns out what they meant when they said they fixed it was that they got an electrician who would come out and move it, but that not that he had done that. So here I am <laughs> putting every pot that I have on the stove and boiling water so that I can take a bath in the year of our Lord, 2017. And that is the saddest thing that's happened to me in this house related to the house. Cut to the electrician shows up to fix this problem. And the electrician's like, wait, have you not had hot water? And I was like, nope, not for almost 10 days now. And he was like, um, if they had told me that, I would have come out here that night. Like, I... I thought this was just like a standard electrical outlet issue that was not emergency. And I was like, are you kidding? He's like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, I know it's ridiculous. I haven't had water in 10 days. I'm going crazy. And he's like, I am so sorry. Like, this is, they're so dumb. Like, had they mentioned this at all, I would have just immediately, I could have come out and fixed it that night. It would have taken, he's like, I'm only going to be here for like 10 minutes. And he was, he literally took him like 10 minutes to fix this problem. I left the angriest voicemail I've ever left for my landlord. And I was like, come back, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Like, how could you do this? So anyway, you that's, can't that's do the this story to people. <laughs> like, I, well, eventually I was like, hey, I'm not paying rent for those 10 days, FYI. And they're like, that's a reasonable offer. Here's your money back. 
<laughs> but anyway, that's the story of how I had to boil water to take a bath in 2016. So, so Tom Hanks goes to get the last bucket of uh, boiled water. And the tea, for some reason, the kitchen seems to be the only place in the house that has electricity and gas and is working order. Um, so he goes, the TV is on, it's Julia Child. And he like the water's not done boiling, so he goes over to, and turns on a light switch to read a letter, and it starts this really awesome, like visually amazing, destruction of the kitchen sequence where this it felt very like Muppet movie or like yeah. the, like Muppet Treasure Island when they're following the um, the black powder that's lit on fire. Absolutely, it is this spark runs all the way around the kitchen, going through cabinets, like knocking the tiles out of the wall, sparking out all the plugs. And then it gets. It's supposed to be tracing the ele- the the you know the wiring in the wall from outlet to outlet. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then it gets to the TV and it explodes the TV. It also makes a popcorn maker go crazy. It sets the blender on fire for margaritas. It melts itself. That's crazy. Yeah, it is really great. Um, but the other thing about this that I thought was nuts is like, hey, bud, this just solved your problem. Just get out of the kitchen and act like you didn't know this happened. Yeah, real easy, bro. <laughs> This is an electrical fire that is clearly going to be established as an electrical fire, and you get to get all your insurance money for this house. Like, you did it, Tom. You figured out the solution. You committed fraud, sort of. Get out of there and let the house burn down. Well, that's assuming they have insurance. Well, gosh, I hope they do. (laughs) It seems like with this house, that would have been a given. It also makes the oven go nuts and the oven launches a turkey as a missile into the bathroom where Shelly Long is and Tom Hanks comes in a few minutes later and is like oh there's the turkey and the little timer pops out of it the turkey's done so they pour the last of the water into the bathtub and it crashes through the floor and just shatters on the first floor very cool looking porcelain everywhere also, Tom Hanks' shirt is all burnt up because of the kitchen fire. And, and it's both very... nipples. <laughs> I can't believe you took the punchline of that before I said it. Yes, it is very strategically burned to expose not one, but two nipples. It's so it's It's like Mean Girls when they cut Regina's tank top to show her boobs and her bra. And she's just like, whatever. And I was like, that's what this yeah. is. This is just you cut two holes around his nipples for some reason. <laughs> Somebody on set wanted to see them angst nips is the obvious answer. Uh, it also has this awesome shot of from the floor of the first floor from the first floor up to the second with them like leaning over the hole where the bathtub was. And Tom Hanks does this amazingly wonderful maniacal laugh of just like ah, ha, 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 ha. like I can't believe everything this is, is awful. Yeah, yeah, it's delightful. So they have this like resigned to their fate moment, and they finally decide like no. Let's let's raise the money. Let's let's fix this they house. They say the let's, title. Let's, that's that's right. He t- calls the house the money bit. So they somehow struggle to get any contractors to come out because they say they're in the middle of nowhere. But like certainly there are men who and women who construct houses and things out not in New York City. They're also a cab ride away from New York. So like yeah, like a poor person's cab ride. So they can't be that far. Yeah. Um, but what ends up happening is the gang from Mad Max shows up. And this, like, like, hot, <laughs> buff leather dude is there. <laughs> There's a guy with a flaming guitar, and I was like, wow, that was, I can't believe that was in 1988, and not, you know, that's, they it, stole that thing. It was like a weird science. 
Yeah, exactly. There's these like long bamboo poles that people are swinging <laughs> on. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, that George, uh, George, whatever his name is from Mad Max, stole all these bits from this. Uh, no, they're, they're, I'm, we're being ridiculous, but it really is Mad Max esque. They're these very strange shapes and vehicles pull up, and there's like I don't know, fifty guys that just start like descending on this house and like swinging hammers and ripping stuff and breaking and, like, stuff. Women and women in cutting. bikinis. Yeah, yeah, it's very bizarre. Um, so they destroy this house and then Tom Hanks comes home and the house is in shambles. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, you don't, you don't have any permits. We got to wait till you have permits and then we can do more work. And Hanks has like a delightful flip out, which I love a good 1980s era Tom Hanks flip out. It's some peak it's Tom really Hanks good. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets on the phone with an inspector who's basically like, I'll come out there right now, but you need to bribe me in cash. And he starts like counting money in his wallet and he steps on this carpet and then just slowly sinks into a hole in the floor until he's trapped with his hands in front of his chest. Like a T-Rex. And then they, yeah, yeah. And then they basically do the scene from Christmas Vacation where he's just trapped up there having to entertain himself, except he doesn't even have old home movies and weird grandma clothes to put on. And he can't really use his arms. No, he can't. So he's like singing to himself. He's doing like banana fana fofana me my momana. Yeah, the permit guy comes uh, and goes because he thinks Tom Hanks is laughing at him inside. Yeah, that dude really doesn't like. You'd think where a situation where the house's door is just loosely le- leaned against the frame, he would open it in. and yell. Yeah, you do a you do a poke in. You absolutely do. You see uh, the Jumanji legs in the first floor, and you go, "Oh, someone's up there." <laughs> Jumanji legs, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so he's supposed to pick up Shelley Long at the train station, and when he doesn't come, she gets a ride from an eighteen wheeler, and then she, she's coming in the house looking for him. And this is one of my favorite scenes where she's like, "I don't, I genuinely don't remember the character's name." So he, she's like, "Tom Hanks." Walter. Walter, 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 Walter. And he's like, I'm up here, like yelling for his life. And she opens the door of the room that he's in, or she turns the lights on in the room that he's in, and then steps right back out. Because there's a chair in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, where are you? He's like, I'm in the den. She's like, I was just in the den. He's like, I saw you. I know you were in here. (laughs) So she finally discovers him. And when she goes to, like, help him, she basically, like, touches him and he falls all the way to the floor. She whack-a-moles him. Yeah, poor Tom Hanks would be so dead. Um, uh, so this is another moment of reality question. Because when they show his Jumanji legs, there's, like a ring around his legs as though there's like some molding and it's like a specific thing. So what yeah, the hell yeah. was there? I I thought it was supposed to be like you said, like a piece of molding, like a center of an arch. No, it was like this. It was a like center a cer- of a dome. Oh, okay. That could, that can make sense. Yeah. But yeah, they never explain. So Shelly Long is, has come back from selling her stuff that she got from the divorce with the maestro. And she's just like, look, I only wanted this stuff because I thought you wanted it. Buy it back for me. Come on. Let's go. Um, and Tom Hanks and her are talking. It's freezing out because our house is full of holes. They're wearing a million layers. <laughs> yeah. They, There's just like six foot holes in the walls of the bedroom. The plastic is just like billowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to put another log in the fire. And he throws the fakest log I've ever seen into this oh, fire. Oh, it's real like, bad. I don't know who made this prop log, and I'm sorry for calling you out, but it is a bad prop log. But he throws it in, and then the entire fireplace cascades through the hole in the wall until the top comes and belches soot into his face. 
for like a solid minute, it just crumbles. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So we cut to it's time to fix up the house, and the Mad Max crew is back, and they got the permits, and they're they're the outside looks cutting. really good for this moment. I didn't realize it was the same house. Yeah, no, it does. It does look very quickly okay on the outside, but inside is an absolute shambles. Um, and they keep telling him, "Oh, it'll be two weeks till we're done. Two weeks till we're done." And they've apparently already been there for four months, which I cannot imagine how much this project would cost. Oh my god, I don't even know. But Shelley and uh, Tom are getting real punchy. Well, you know, I get it. I think it's, I think it's okay in the context of this movie. Um, but I was just like, no, guys, no. <laughs> so there's a great scene where he goes to get her some water and the stairs are finally installed. And he's like, the stairs are here. Oh, my God. It's like and in Shelley Castaway when like, he opens the crab. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And Shelly Long is like, yeah, great. Go get my pail of water so I can bathe because we live in a hell hole. <laughs> um, and it has, I think, my favorite moment in the whole movie where she opens the medicine cabinet. And there's a guy standing right there whose face is like perfectly framed in this little hole. And she's like, oh, I need a Pepsid or whatever she asked for, some sort of medicine. And he hands it to her. And he's like, oh, by the way, you're almost out of birth control. And he like flips open her little birth control pack. And there's like two pills left in it. And she is so mad at this guy. But I also, it's like, it's like the living version app. of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I was thinking like mirror, mirror on the wall. And he's like. <laughs> You look great today, honey. Also, you need more birth control. Also, pick up that BC. And, like, everything's coming together. We find out that the the water now works that's in the pipes. And the the stairs are there. And there's just so much good happening. And I was like, I swear to God, movie, you, you have 30 minutes left. You cannot give us another <laughs> setback. Like, I will not... Ex- <laughs> you didn't expect this to come? It wasn't... Well, it wasn't... Because it wasn't – so what I wrote was, thank God it's just a – I literally was writing the note as I watched the rest of this shit happen and went, never mind. He just destroyed the scaffolding while dressed like the American Horror Story nun. <laughs> she uh, unplugs something to plug in a kettle and – it's a table saw and then the table saw gets launched into the air by Tom Hanks on like a teeter totter setup. And then she plugs it back in and this, the table saw activates and cuts through the thing that it landed on. And then it's this like Rube Goldberg esque final destination contraption, except he doesn't die at the end, even though he would totally have died at the end. Yeah. He would be a dead body floating through the air, <laughs> but he like, gets launched like a missile and then he's covered in plaster and then he falls down the scaffolding and then he ends up in a cart and then the cart rolls down a hill and launches him into the fountain. And I was like, Oh, the fountain wasn't peeing at that moment. I was like, Oh, this is going to end with the fountain turning back on and peeing on his head. And it did. I didn't get the fountain. I didn't clock the fountain part, but I was everything else. I was like, come on. I was just glad there was no house destruction. It was just a scaffolding destruction. Yeah, yeah. Because if this house had crumbled, that would have been, like, I think they would have been justifiable in killing one another. I would have turned this movie off and been like, Trip, I watched an hour of this movie. I refuse to watch the last half hour. I will contribute till then. then (laughs) Trip explains the movie to Andrew. Yes, it's just like me recapping the plot slowly. Um. Emergently, that is not what happens. But instead, we get a weird turn that I wasn't in love with. Where no, it wasn't necessary. Like I like, 
Yeah, and I honestly, like, I would have rather had another obstacle with the house be the thing that causes the big conflict between them. But instead what happens is she, like, is exhausted, as you would be in this situation. And for some reason, she doesn't need to go home that night. It's not really explained why she doesn't need to go home. I, no, I, she did, does. I, she just ends up not. But he doesn't go home that night either. Like, he doesn't think it's that weird. Maybe he was wor- like working she, late? That uh, could be. But she ends up spending the night at her former house with her ex-husband. And they wake up in bed together, and he implies that they had sex. And she doesn't have any memory of that, which is like, oh, he's a huge piece of shit, obviously. And uh, she gets home, and Hanks seems to know what's going on. She's, like, rushing home. Uh, Meanwhile, Hanks is also rushing home, and he's gotten a pizza delivery boy to also deliver him. In an electric light parade car? Yes, it's covered in these little lights. It's so cool. It's also singing like a jingle. It's very ridiculous. It's like a like a like an ice cream truck, but a pizza truck. Right, right, right. Um, so he seems to know that something has gone on, and she doesn't really cop to it. And so they go to sleep that night, and she can't go to sleep. She's all guilty feeling, and she confesses to him while he's like pretty much unconscious, and then. He doesn't seem bothered by it at all, but smash cut to a huge screaming match about this. I really didn't like this fight. No. It, and it's in front of all the dudes who are working no, there? No, it, it starts before the dudes are there. It starts at oh, night. Oh, yeah, you're right. When you're he right. Called, he yeah. liter- so he literally says, I'm not going to be mad if you slept with him. I'm going to be more mad you didn't tell me. Like, I can handle it. Just tell me the truth. And then she does, and he responds by calling her a whore. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we yeah. back up for a moment, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they both look like villains here, though, because so he wakes up on the kitchen on a ping pong table they're using as a kitchen table, and these guys are like, "Oh, you should kick you out of bed." Da, 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 da. And then she comes downstairs, and they start having this fight again in front of everybody, and it's like a very ugly, like you know, we're breaking up. Fine, we'll wait till the house is finished, and then you know we can. Uh, split the cost out or split the the profits after we sell it blah 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 but it's just this awful like voyeuristic thing of everybody's watching this horrible moment for these people and then we as the audience are watching this horrible moment for them and then she is basically saying to i guess the conductor shows up not too long after this and is basically like we do get a good uh, joke in there first before the conductor shows up of because he says something about he says something stupid and Shelley Long comes back in the doorway and goes, "You're such an idiot. I'm surprised you even passed the bar." And he goes, "Well, you've never passed a bar in your life." Cuz apparently now she's an, which was a great zinger, but I was like, "Apparently now she's an alcoholic?" Yeah, there's been no indication that this is a problem for her. This was like an early draft joke that we forgot to take out. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that's crazy to me is she's talking to the conductor and he's like, oh, by the way, I made it up. We didn't have sex, which is Why does he get a redemption weird. story? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But also, her thing is like, oh, he couldn't forgive me, and that's the thing that bothers me. It's like, you thought that you cheated on him with your ex-husband. Like, he, him not immediately rushing to forgiveness is not that weird. No, it's not. He will get there. But also, why did this conductor get a redemption story? <laughs> I don't understand it at all. He's the villain for the whole movie. And then at the end, it's like, oh, just kidding. Like, you're a wonderful woman, and I wish I could have someone like you. And then, like, not too long after is conducting at their wedding. And I was like, wait a minute. What 
in on earth is happening right now what am i looking at here yeah no thank you ma'am i was not i was, I was like this is too weird now so she you know finds out that she didn't cheat on him and we cut to the repairman who's like well it's a lot of work in this house and it was it was really really tough but we managed to do it and then he has this like relationship they're they're in opposite rooms like 100 yards from each other and he's standing directly in the middle and he starts going on with this like perfect relationship meadow that's like you know with these houses if the foundation is good you can make any sort of repair and get past anything that comes up it's like boy that's a little on the nose huh yeah i was like wait so both shitty dudes get to take credit and redemption for getting them back together that's what it took (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I just love him as like the, the 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 magic exposition dump of like oh it's wonderful if your house is okay if your house is a good foundation like oh that feels like a metaphor for your li- I mean I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouth but it feels like a metaphor for your romantic life doesn't it guys you like might as well have looked down the barrel of the camera and winked yeah exactly so Hanks comes to talk to Shelly Long and he's like, look, I don't care about the conductor. I'm sorry. You know, it's not that big of a deal, which like time out. It's a really giant deal. Also, it's something fine. To, it's, it's something to like, it's a discussion to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's like, Oh, well we didn't really sleep together. So everything's fine. And they're like, Oh good. Yeah. I guess we can just, end it took that now. long to tell the truth. Yeah, what like the hell? You learned that you were lied to and duped and manipulated into sleeping, into hopefully sleeping with a different man, and you weren't immediately like, "Hey, dude, I actually love." This is what's happening. Yeah, it's it's very baffling. Um, so cut to the wedding, and it's every band that Hanks mentioned or saw in the beginning playing along with the orchestra, who are doing uh, Beethoven's "Ode to Joy," which is weird to hear and not die hard. Uh, but also the conductor is there and I just don't understand why he's, he's getting to be involved in this very special moment. And then they like have a kiss in the, in the doorway and the guy taking their picture is the contractor is like, you invited the contractor to your wedding. I mean, he'd been a part of their lives for a while, I guess, but that just seems so crazy for a full year for a person. Uh, meanwhile, down in Rio de Janeiro, Tom Hanks's dad is, uh, buying a house quickly, and it turns out it's from the woman who sold this house to Young Hanks, not his dad, and Carlos, who is alive and well and seems in perfectly good health. So are they just running still like a, a Nazi. Drift con? Yeah, yeah. Again, he still says Alfie Zane, like he's very much still a Nazi. But like, what is what are we supposed to draw conclusions here? Like. Yeah, is that do they like buy shitty houses and make them look expensive and then sell them for like I don't what do they do what is the grift it's clearly a grift <laughs> they they go on Craigslist they find the cheapest houses they can they spackle and sandpaper them to look kind of okay How, only let people see them in the dark by candlelight yeah it's a very specific weird con but it's definitely some kind of con uh, so what are your final thoughts on the money pit. It's really enjoyable. It's got the the last the last act is weird and I think could have could have gone somewhere else and been just as effective. Um like I didn't need I didn't need Shelley Long as a whore to be the the conflict. No. Like that was no. idiotic. Yeah. Especially cuz the whole like the whole time she's been like independent and her own person and like she's the one who didn't want to get married, not Tom Hanks. Like 
she's very much a, an interesting character and then all of a sudden it's just like you're a whore you're a whore you're an alcoholic and i was like yeah hang on hard left yeah no i i thought that was really lame as well um but they have really good chemistry in the first hour of this is really good it's also on netflix which we didn't mention but it's uh easy to get for once for one of our movies uh i would also recommend this i think i think it's a pretty fun Tom Hanks movie. Shelley Long yeah. is excellent in it. Yeah, I, I would I would recommend this. I think it might even be a fun. Uh, you maybe if you watch this one first and then you watch Troop Beverly Hills, and uh, you get like a good Shelley Long double feature in it, where like she doesn't get to be a strong independent woman and then she gets to be one in for the get, long like, haul. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Host a movie night in for the long haul. <laughs> And all of your friends will hate you. Uh, but I am totally on board with that. You get, like, Shelley Long in the second movie becoming, like, a powerful, independent woman and not needing any male influence would be a nice palate cleanser after the weird, like, also, you're a whore and you're the reason why this doesn't work uh, of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys so much for celebrating T Thanksgiving with us another year, another delicious Tom Hanks vehicle for, for you to celebrate with. Uh, one of, one of the many goofy traditions we have on this show. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of us or find out more about the show, we're on all the social media. Uh, it's dissecting the eighties on Facebook and it's dissect the eighties on Twitter. No ing. You can also call the dissecting the eighties hotline at eight, five, six D I S S E C T. Uh, but most, most importantly, podcasts are the most wonderful pyramid scheme because they don't cost anything. So if you like the show, please tell two friends about it. It really helps spread the word and get us out there and, and in front of more listeners. And we really appreciate that. And if you haven't yet, please take the time to review the show. It has, uh, doesn't take that very long. It doesn't take very long to do, and it means a whole lot to us. So if you could take the time to do that, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, Don't forget to check out Who the F Are These Guys, Andrew's web series, which is available on YouTube. That's uh, EFF, Who the F Are These Guys. Uh, And consider jumping in on the Indiegogo campaign. They are running to raise money for more episodes. Um, That will do it for this episode. We will see you in two weeks for the release of Star Wars. Well, we'll be early for the release of Star Wars, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, we will be back with... With Droids, the cartoon series, which I've been told is the closest I'm going to get to droid babies, as we're going to find. <laughs> the the Muppet Babies uh, crossover with the droids that Andrew so desperately wants. I just want more um, Muppet baby stuff. <laughs> uh, thank you again so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Uh, things we're going to cut out in editing. <laughs> Until next time, I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Wait, I fucked that yep. up. I was like, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah.